0: You are now tuned in to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself. What is happening? How are you feeling? I'm out here in beautiful Las Vegas. You usually don't hear beautiful in Vegas in the same uh, sentence. But I uh, just got back from hiking. And uh, I could. so when you go, when you get out there in nature, because I know some of you, some of you right now are in your car, headed to work, or you're headed home, or uh, you're getting ready for bed, or maybe it's your lunch break, right? Maybe you got that sandwich. You chopping down on a sandwich, or you brought us? Did you bring a salad? You brought a salad to work? Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. You got a salad. Um, but it's like when you when you get out there in nature and you breathe in that air, you go, oh. This is it. Also, breathing in the air, uh, almost stepped on a rattlesnake. Yeah. Uh, large, massive. If you follow me on Instagram, uh, I just posted a video uh, about the hike. I do these things called uh, Leo Hikes, hashtag Leo Hikes, and uh, post those on Instagram, Leo Flowers 2000 so you can check it out there. And uh, yeah, it's rattlesnake season, so... Uh, you know, all the the snakes are out there just hanging out, and they're not even aggressive. He, he didn't curl up. He was just he was working on his tan. Yeah, apparently uh, rattlesnakes are also uh, middle school white girls just out there working on their tan. Didn't move at all. A little flower stepped right over him. Didn't budge. Almost didn't like that. I, I need. I need the rattlesnake to be a little bit, to just to be a slight bit terrified of Leo Flowers. Um, But hey, let's check in with you. How are you feeling? Let's take a moment to breathe into our hands. That's that's a good way to start. (sighs) Breathe into your hands. Feel your, your pinky. Feel your thumb feel all that good stuff. Um, I want to read something to you out the New York Times. Uh, that the article is called The Difference Between Joy and Happiness. I'm not going to obviously read the whole article to you. Just uh, a couple quick paragraphs. It's so beautifully written because I, n- I actually never thought about it. The difference between happiness and joy. What? There's a like it's all it's all good. Like there's good feelings and bad feelings, but no 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 no. Uh, uh, so this is interesting. Uh, and quote, happiness usually involves a victory for the self. Joy tends to involve the transcendence of self. Happiness comes from accomplishments. Joy comes when your heart is in another. Joy comes after years of changing diapers driving to practice, worrying at night, dancing in the kitchen, playing in the yard, and just sitting quietly together watching TV. Joy is the present that life gives you as you give away your gifts. The core point is that happiness is good, but joy is better. It's smart to enjoy happiness, but it's smarter still to put yourself in situations where you might experience joy. People receive joy after they have overinvested in their friendships. The thing the wisest people say about friendship is this. Lovers stand face to face staring into each other's eyes. But friends stand side by side staring at the things they both care about. Friendship is about doing things together. So people build their friendships by organizing activities that are repeated weekly, monthly, or annually, like picnics, fantasy leagues, book clubs, etc. End quote. I thought that was magnificent, right on point. It's true, you know, because and I think it's valuable because there's so many books, articles, topics about the pursuit of happiness and uh, uh how to be happy and being there's a book called 10% happy and we're so focused on being happy that uh i think the downside is that if we don't feel happy um we think something is wrong and then it, which then makes it worse right we we overreact cuz we're trying to overcorrect for not feeling happy and um but once you, once we realize—not just you, but me also—that um, life's not about always being happy. It's life's more about uh, exploring all the emotions, and navigating all of it. Right? Like it's almost like I'm reading Moby Dick, and when when, when Captain Ahab is out there, and I'm only on. Um, page 40 or 50 so uh i don't even know if C- captain ahab is a guy out there on the water but when a captain is out there in the ocean there there are days when the 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 sea is calm it's flat and there's a nice gentle breeze and it, it's easy to sail he almost doesn't have to do much work and then there are days where the the sea is rough and tumultuous and Unpredictable and um, there's a word I'm looking for, but I, I can't find it. and and the winds are gusting and the ship looks like it's about to tip over and and, and maybe there's uh, a whale trying to you know pull it or push it or knock into. It's just a, everything's going to hell it feels like. But as the captain, and and you are the captain of your life. As the captain, we have to know how to navigate the calm sea and the rough waters. We because that's just life. Life is not all it's not all calm sea, but it's also not all rough waters. I, and I know, you know, I'm sure some of you listeners are in tough situations and uh, going through things that. I can't even fathom, and and know that uh, my heart goes out to you. However, no matter what you're going through, there is some calm sea in there. There's there are moments. It might that might not last long. It might it might be ten seconds out the day. And some of you some of you have it too calm. Some of you haven't had a rough a rough voyage in a while. And and that's dangerous also because then that means we're not taking chances we're not we're not we're not getting out there we're not pushing ourselves and uh, or as I like to say nudging nudging we're not nudging ourselves to uh, to the edge of our our comfort zone because that, that's where the growth is it's like working out right. Um, what you know, it's like that. Oh, what was that song? Joy, pump it up, pump it up, and pain. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, sunshine and rain. Mm, 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 joy. Oh, that was Rob Bass. What you know about that, Rob Bass? Joy, do 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 do, and pain. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, sunshine and rain. Uh, 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 Rob Bass. Oh yeah, that's an old man. That was a joint right there. I probably can't even air this episode now. They're gonna they're gonna flag me. Oh, uh, you don't have the copyright to uh, singing that song, Mr. Flowers. All right, take it easy, everybody. Take it easy. So, um, it, to you know, to really unpack that, if you know, happiness is you know what we do for ourselves. It's about self. You know, um, and then joy is the reward you get uh, from thinking about community. It's kind of like, you know, when you, that Habitat for Humanity, that's why community service is so big. When you do something for someone else and you put in that sweat equity, whether it's, uh, you know, building a house for someone else or uh, working on the neighborhood garden, or even helping your friend uh, fix their car, when you put in that sweat equity, you raise your kid and you do everything you can to get them to graduate college and they finally graduate, or some of you, I know, you're driving your kids to practice day in and day out, and you're like, where is this going? Is it even worth it? Yes. The answer is always yes. Put your heart out there. Be vulnerable. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It could be crushed or it's, it's been crushed. You've probably been crushed and stomped on. We've all been there, man. I I had a few heartbreaks in my day. Uh, and, I, and, and the worst is the unrequited love. There was this girl. Uh, I'm going to say her name, too. I'm going to say her name. Simret Gabriel hewitt And uh, she's from Eritrea. When I was in uh, fourth grade, I went to a Catholic. My mom switched me from a public school to a Catholic school. And when I got to the Catholic school, there wasn't a lot of black kids at the schools, maybe f- three, four, five of us. Um, and, but there was this girl, Simret Gabriel hewitt Beautiful. I've never seen a girl like this before. And I'm in the fourth grade, and I'm like, "This, she's it. And every year on Valentine's Day, I would ask her to be my girlfriend. And every year, fourth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade, she looked look me dead in my face and say, no. However, she had no problems with us being friends. And, I, and, and looking back, I understand because, you know, I, I was from, I wouldn't say I'm from the hood, but I grew up in a Section 8 building. Uh, all my friends were black. Uh, so, you know, I was, I was, I was hood-ish, hood-adjacent, as my boy uh, James Davis would say. But uh, she grew up around all white people. And so she very much wanted to assimilate and, and that was clear And the music she was listening to. She listened to a lot of punk rock. She dyed her hair uh, extra black, it was already black, but then she dyed it more and she would wear all black and had the Megadeth T-shirt and was wearing like the, the spiked uh, bracelets or you know collars and all that stuff. So she was very much going on that, but even with uh, as much as she tried to cover herself up, that she was still, you could still see how beautiful she was. And, and we went to the same high school. So freshman year, I asked her out, she said no. Sophomore year did I, sophomore year, after sophomore year, I think I stopped asking her. And then, oh, sophomore year, I asked her. Junior year, I didn't. Senior year, she and I are talking, and she said, "I wish you had asked me out last year. I, I really was looking forward to it." She's like, "I, I was gonna say yes," and I and it. I don't know what the lesson is there, right? The the lesson could be ah oh, she's just playing games. I could dismiss it as that like she probably would have said no anyway and it it was only because I didn't ask her that she wished I asked her. But, you know, versus she didn't want so much to be with me. It was just that she didn't maybe didn't want me to be with someone else. Um it could be that. Or it could be, you know, don't give up on your dream. Don't get don't you know, pursue your your happiness. Pursue that, the, the amount of joy and happiness I would have felt had she said it. And I would have, and the crazy thing is she went to a college that um, I was being recruited to go to. And had she said yes, uh, I would have paid, because the, the school ended up not picking me up, I would have paid to go to that college uh, just to be with her. But uh, she said no. And so it was unrequited. But still friends throughout the whole thing had no problem being I was in a friend zone. Oh, the frustration of being in the friend zone, right? And uh, But such goes life. And, and like I said, it's a lesson of when you want something, you go after it and you don't stop. You, 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 you take your time, you play the long game, and, uh, and you see what happens, you know. I think she's married now, with kids and uh, and thriving, and she's she's as, as successful as I I thought she would be. But um, but yeah, that's the key there. So, but that was me, my, you know, pursuing happiness and um, but but joy, man. I tell you, I I have to be honest, I. I get joy when, uh, when you guys when you message me and uh, and you let me know like a podcast or an episode or uh, something that was said uh, got you through something like there's there's a lot of joy in that because you know there's a lot of effort and time that goes into this and and there and I even have my moments of doubt of like am I really helping someone am I really reaching out but I tell you the 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 love and support and uh, the increased downloads and and uh, and I'm getting more comfortable. It's a tough thing to talk about on stage, you know. Suicidal ideation, uh, depression is one thing. To say I'm depressed, people go, oh, "All right, that's you know, that's cool." There's there's a lot of buy-in on that. You don't have to um, you don't have to worry about dividing the room or making people feel they they get it. They, they kind of expect it because you're you're a comedian, of course of course you you have some some type of uh emotional uh issues uh but then suicidal ideation and 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 asking the audience to to think of uh death as uh as a challenging uh thing but i i will say i it's i'm getting better at it i feel much more comfortable talking about it on stage and uh and the and the way that people respond after the show that really that really helps I uh, also was reading in the New York Times today uh the obituaries. I am and I've talked about this earlier like there's something rewarding and fulfilling and uh, inspiring and exciting about reading the obituaries. And 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 I think to just call it the obituaries is uh is very reductionistic, right? Uh, where I think that word uh, has, just has a dark connotation. But so the uh, another way to say it is it's exciting and thrilling to read about people who have lived very long and very full lives, right? Like I'm reading about, uh, wait, what was this guy's name? Where is he at? This guy, um, oh, this guy... Les Murray, he died at 80 years old, right? Which that's he 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 that's above average for male for men, right? Les Murray, he was a poet. And his story is fascinating just because of his uh his trajectory through his life and the ups and downs, and it's just a reminder that um keep going, keep going. So Mr. Murray was bullied in his youth and saw himself as a perpetual outsider, had a lifelong abhorrence for for enforced conformity and intellectual gangs, particularly literary and academic ones, right? Um, His parents were dairy farmers. Uh, As a kid, he was also a curious and restless boy with different colored eyes. He became fascinated with language and started hounding his mother for the meanings of word at about age three. He's also slightly autistic, right? So he's grown up on a farm, slightly autistic. Uh, A few years later uh, that, oh, a few years later he was startled to learn from from her that uh, English was not the world's only language. He then spent the rest of his life learning all he could of the world's, world's words, as if uh, the shock of that revelation never subsided. So he had this childlike wonder about, uh, or wonder about words throughout his entire life. Right? He just he loved the words. He loved the poetry, um, and that's that. That's a single-minded focus that comes with uh, being autistic. For a lot of people, of course, uh, they're not all like that. But uh, in his case. that's what it was, Um, he, uh, he went to college but then abandoned his lectures and spent hours reading foreign dictionaries in the university library. He failed his exams and his scholarship was withdrawn, although it was reinstated when his marks improved. In the early 1960s, he spiraled into depression, dropped out of the university and became homeless became homeless, so he, he's in college, he drops out, becomes homeless, this is all in the 1960s, he's autistic. Oh, his parents, uh, um, his mom, his dad, oh, his, his mom passed away when he was young, I think like 13, and from that moment on, he was taking care of his dad, basically, emotionally, um, um, saying that from just on puberty, I lived in funeral. Mother dead of miscarriage. Father trying to be dead. We'd boil sweat brown cloth. Cows repossessed the garden. Love making brought death was the unuttered principle. End quote. That, like, I can't imagine, right? Like, your mom dies in miscarriage, and then your father is trying to kill himself, and uh, and so now he's taking care of his dad. And so his his youth is gone, but he still has his passion. His passion for words goes to college, becomes homeless, uh, and, and you know, but still writing poetry while he's out there in those streets, right? And then he began hitchhiking around the country. I love this guy. He's he's like, you know what, man? I ain't got no house. Screw it. I'm I'll be out here in these streets. Let me go see what's going on. Uh, in 1962. He returned to Sydney, his depression lifted. Look, now so nowhere in there does he take meds or anything. That doesn't mean he didn't. It's just not included in this um uh obituary. In 1962 he returned to Sydney, his depression lifted, and he met and married Valerie Morelli. The couple had 5 children. He went from being a college dropout to homeless to now he's married, 5 children, right? And, uh, and then he left his 9 to 5 jobs to become a full-time poet. Uh, Mr. Murray and his family left Sydney for Bunya in 1985 to take care of his ailing father, but the return stirred up old trauma and Mr. Murray sank into deep depression again. He would remain in his grip for the next eight years, a period he documented in Killing the Black Dog. So, uh, you know, the father passed away, and, and you know, but he lived to be 80 years old. That's the beautiful part of this. Uh, and so, there's a couple of takeaways from that, I, I, I feel like. One is, um, wh- you know, we do have to be aware of people and places that can trigger our moods. You know, this whole just be mentally tough thing uh, is one thing, but it's also good to be mentally aware to be socially aware, to be, you know, physically aware. You know, be aware of where you are, what you're breathing in, because all that can affect, you know, for him, taking care of his father again, that tr- that brought up the old traumas and uh, it, it, it triggered him. So, it, it, it you know, sometimes the, it's not the pill that you need, it's, it's a change of environment, a change of your circle and the people around you, right? Um, and the fact that, you know, he had autism, and he had five kids, and got married. So he was, he was like, "I'm gonna still live life and build it, and and find a way." And he didn't let his, his father's story become his story. His father was trying to end his own life, and 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 Les Murray here was like, "Nah, man, there's so much life to be lived." And you know, where he's, you know, going cross country. It's a beautiful thing. And there's some other obituaries in here that are really great, and I'm not going to read those. Or, but, you know, there's Norma Miller, who lived to be 99, a black woman, back in the day, traveling the world as a dancer, traveling the world. And what was beautiful, 99 years old, she dies, uh, but at the age of 98, was in Sweden, in Sweden, uh, teaching dance, teaching dance, or dance theory. Not, you know, she wasn't, she wasn't doing a jig or uh, the kid and play or anything like that, but she was still living, and that's the thing. We have to keep moving. We have to find ways to stay engaged. Uh, and that's, you know, that's why I started doing a crossword puzzle again, and I tell you what, I am Horrible horrible at this thing called a crossword puzzle. Um, that Well, I'm doing the New York Times and every day it gets harder and harder. So the Monday crossword puzzle is the easiest. And then uh, Thursday, Friday, those are the hardest. Uh, and I have Tuesdays. And I tell you what, last time I did Monday, I finished it, but it took me an entire week to finish that crossword puzzle. And I'm doing Tuesdays and I tell you what, it's gonna take me probably a good three weeks uh to to fill all this in and, and figure it out. It's uh it's uh it's, it's definitely uh harder than Mondays. I'll say that for you for sure. But you gotta keep that brain going. What's so what's going on? Did we journal? Now, last week's homework assignment was Feeling alive, and you were supposed to journal ways in which you felt alive. Did you do that? Did you write it down? Those things, you know, people talk about things that excite you, and we talked about happiness and joy. Um, But what were the ways in which you felt alive? What were those places? You know, I was talking to a friend today, and uh, she wants to go to Bali. And I was like, why Bali? And she's like, I just, she was like, I just feel like I would feel alive there. And I was like, where was the last place you felt alive? And she said, Big Sur. And I was like, whoa, big, ah. so she, she needs to be outdoors with the mountains and the, and the trees and the, and the grass and stuff. I, you know, I feel alive on stage. It's part of why, and not all the time. If I'm really present, if I'm really locked in, I feel an aliveness. I feel an aliveness when I'm doing something new. Right, because when you do something new, you you have to be engaged because you don't know what you're doing, and and so you're taking everything in, whether it's a an instrument or a, a game or going somewhere different. Right, if you're if you if you're taking a route that you usually haven't taken, then you really have to focus and look. What are the streets? Uh, you know, where did I turn? How do I get out of here? Is this the right street? Like you're really forced to be present when you go different routes and you 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 explore novelty, right? Um, or even just talking to people who you usually don't talk to or interact with. That's it's a, it's a very powerful thing. I think we've kind of lost the 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 art of conversation as a result of all the the social media and the texting and. Um, uh, uh, you know the nobody picks up the phone. No, if you call somebody, you know, people are like why are you like we're gonna evolve to not have any to not have mouths, Ma- mouth, mouth, I can't Mouth? Mouth? I don't know why I can't. I just realized I can't say that word. Uh, uh, more than one mouth. Does that does that work? <laughs> more than one mouth. I apologize if you hear creaking, and I'm I'm I'm, at the, I'm in a uh, I'm podcasting out of my hotel and I'm staying at the Rio and it's a very old hotel and uh, I think they're actually going to tear it down. That's what the word is. Don't quote me on that. So, I'm, you know, I'm, the, the chairs I'm sitting are just old and rickety, just making all this to-do going on in the background. But uh, I was talking about something I completely I completely forgot. I completely forgot uh um, what do I have coming up? Uh, I, I had a show coming up. I don't remember. But all um, right. So I there's this thing called what? What was the quote? It said there the the, the denominator of kindness is always going to be greater than the numerator of cruelty, and I forget who said that. I'll say it again, the denominator of kindness is larger than the numerator of cruelty. And it's so true, and I, I want to give you guys an example. I sent that quote out to a bunch of friends, and, you know, some were like, yeah, and some were like, I beg to differ. Um, and so I, I got to read this to you. Where is it? Dab, dab nab, Anyway, I... I have a, a YouTube uh, a clip on my Instagram of my stand up. And basically in a stand-up, I'm talking about uh race relations, right? And bunch of got like half almost a half a million views and uh thousands of likes. Of course there are a couple uh dislikes, but anyway, there one of the comments was this guy who said um the any com- any comedian and I, I don't know if this is how he really sounds, but in my head, this always he sounds: any comedian that talks about race or Trump is a effing hack. And I was like, wow! Like there was there was so much like angry anger and uh, and vitriol in in his response. You know, um, it, it in the title, it, it let, kind of let you know it was going to be about race, and uh, but. He felt compelled to click on it and watch it and then get enraged and then comment on it. And when I first saw that comment, I saw it uh, 22 weeks ago. It was 20, because, you know, they, they tell you how long ago uh, people posted, and that's when I saw it. And I, I, I glossed over it, and I moved through, and I, I decided to focus on all the love I was receiving. And, and then uh, two days ago, I, I was going through the comments again and I saw that comment and then this time I was like, I felt the need to respond for whatever reason. I didn't know what to say. I was like, you know, I could attack this guy, I could defend what I'm doing. And I was like, being defensive is never helpful and attacking doesn't help either. And I was like, you know, what, what is the appropriate response? I could just not respond and that's fair, but that, the, the reason why I wanted to respond is because of, you know, what I'm always saying to you in that we can't be afraid of conversation and we can't be afraid of discourse or interacting with someone who has uh, conflicting views or interests or differing values. It's how we grow. It's how we learn. Um, it's how we create more empathy in the world. So, you know, I didn't know what I was going to say. So I clicked on his Instagram profile, and there wasn't much there. And then he had a link to his YouTube. I go to his YouTube, and he had um, a video review of a protein shake. And I was like, let me see what this is all about. And I click on it, and, you know, he's this big white guy. It looks like he's, like, uh, uh, from the south um, with the, you know his shaved side of his head and everything, and um, and he's reviewing pr- a protein powder. I'm like, this is going to be awful. I'm just I'm just waiting to like berate him on on this protein powder review that he's doing, right? And and as I'm watching it, I'm like, I really enjoyed this because I wasn't expecting him to have. He had music in there, and he's had these really cope these dope uh, edits. He was like, and he was funny. And it was informational. I learned some things because the protein powder was called Kaizen. And I didn't know it. uh, uh, I I had heard the word before, and I forgot what it meant. And even now, I couldn't even tell you. Uh, It's it's something about growth. Like, you have to uh, keep growing or keep expanding or something like that. It's a Japanese word. And so he explains that in a video, which I thought was really cool. And I was like, wow, I really learned something. So I go back to my comment section, and I say... Hey man, I really loved your YouTube uh, video reviewing the protein shake, and I learned something about Kaizen. And then he responded immediately with, "Oh man, thanks, dude." And then he responded again, saying, "Hey, sorry, I was so angry twenty-two weeks ago. That was he was like, I don't know what got into me. Like that was it was kind of ridiculous. It was ridiculous on my part. And then he now he's following me." On Instagram, and so we're we're best friends. We're besties, is what I'm trying to tell you. And of course, I'm not saying this to uh, to gloat about. Oh, you know, I'm, I took the high road because he, you he went the low road. And because there are times, I I'll tell you, there's millions of times where Leo Flowers has taken the low road, right? Uh, but fortunately, this was not one of those times. And I just I I want to share this with you all because uh, it it shows the value and the importance of not latching on to what people initially say and not reacting to the first things that people say because a lot of times we say things that we don't mean. And I think part of what makes that hard to believe and feel is we're adults. And you go. Well, you're an adult, so of course, you you you've thought about it. You're if you're an adult, that means that you're a thinking being. You're responsible for your actions, and you know what you're doing and why you're doing it every second of the day, which nobody does. Where most of us are walking around, um, you know, we're not uh, not really present. We're or in our cell phones or headbuds in or um, you know there's some type of i say most of us and that's a, that's not a fair statement but you know people are 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 and are medicated self-medicating in some way so we're not really locked in we're not really um super engaged at all times right maybe we didn't get sleep the night before maybe you know if you just had kids or if you have kids it's hard to get uh 8 9 hours so you can kind of clear your brain and uh really be focused and and uh have your moods be uh pretty level right Um, I'm pretty fortunate in that I don't have kids. I'm not married, and somehow I still don't always get a good night's sleep. I actually last night I did. I got like five hours, four or five hours of sleep, which I noticed some of you are like, I wish, I wish I could get four or five hours. I just ran into my um, one of my best friends from college, uh, Jason Hasty, at the airport when I was flying out here to Vegas, and. Uh, he just got his Ph.D. He got it. He went to USC. We went to college together. We played uh, college football together. And uh, now he has his uh, Ph.D. And he's being highly recruited uh, in, in something in special ed. Not special ed, but in uh, education. Um, but, you know, he's putting in 60, 70 hours a week. So is his wife. They have two kids. And, you know, uh tons of school debt now They have school debt now uh, at the same time having to save up for their kids college uh so there, there's not going to be a lot of sleeping in that household uh but you know but you know talking to him I could tell he's very passionate about what he does and why he does it and uh and you could tell that he, he really loves uh the kids and the program and he's excited about uh what's gonna happen post doc. So I'm excited for him. Shout out to Jason Hasty. Um I think it's Hasty or is it Hastings? Hasty, I'm gonna stick with Hasty. Uh, he's gonna kill me. He's like, how, how could you not know my last name? I know that's it's horrible. Um but but yeah he's not you know not getting to sleep. But the point is is that we can't you know uh react even though we want to and I wanted to. The first time I read it all, oh, I want to, want to lay into this dude. But I was like, I don't want to do it from that place. I'd rather come from a place of peace and calm and, and clarity and exploration and curiosity. To be like, who is this person uh, launching this attack? right? And, and how do I not take it personally? Which is tough, right? Because he's commenting on my video, on my stand-up, on my work of art, on my masterpiece. Um, but so yeah, that's a great wind, win, wind, win for kindness. And it's also a testimony of people can change. And the people who we go, now, not I'm not saying everybody can change. Some of us, you know, I, I get it. We're, we're we're stuck in who we are, but there is always room for growth for all of us. And um, and and I'm, I'm just glad it, it turned out the way it did. It still could have went south. Sometimes you you extend an olive branch and the, per, the other person burns it down, or they pull out a machete and and chop it up. And such is life. But we that that, that doesn't mean that we don't stop. Putting our hearts out there and being vulnerable and taking chances and taking a risk uh, and stepping out there on that ledge, right? That's 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 where. Because when it works out, that's where the joy is. The joy, ladies and gentlemen, joy. Pump it up, pump it up in pain. Uh, speaking of pain. Uh, I it was something about painkillers I was I wanted to talk about, but I'm not gonna go into that. That's not uh, but <laughs> I, I do want to say this. Here's a, and this is gonna seem so random. Is gonna see, but stay with me on this. It's gonna seem very random. Uh cockroaches. I know you guys are like, what are what what's going on with cockroaches? So uh I just read, and I don't know why I was reading this. But they were talking about cockroaches and how, like, you know, we if I I grew up in Belize and we had cock we had flying cockroaches and I try to you you just of course you want these things dead you want them all dead you want their houses burned down to the ground right and you knew if you stepped on one you had to do it two or three times or I don't care how hard and how much weight how much effort and force. You put on smashing a cockroach, the first time was never enough. That thing would pop up and scurry off if you didn't uh, give it at least two whacks, right? Um, so anyway, and, you know, so I grew up with this, just hate cockroaches and uh, just even roaches, period. But here's what I found out is that we actually need cockroaches because the the cockroaches, you know, they feed off whatever they feed off of, and their fecal matter um, gets released into the soil, and that that when it gets released into the soil, it generates nitrogen, right? Which the plants and trees and uh, they feed off of, they feed off the nitrogen from the fecal matter of cockroaches right and so if we killed all the cockroaches then we would also be eliminating a lot of the nitrogen that the plants and trees need and if so then those would die and if those die and we know that those are that plants and trees are also food and shelter for a number of animals right thousands of different species Re- require on trees and plants and even us obviously the human species so it would, it would everybody would die like it would not be and I'm sure that that's an extreme example because there's plenty of species who have roamed the earth and are lo- no longer with us and uh, we're still doing okay but my point is is that in your life maybe you don't have cockroaches maybe you've never seen a cockroach but you have something that's like a cockroach in your life. This this thing, this little annoying thing that you're like, I just got to get rid of it, or just got to get rid of that person. But you don't realize that uh, as frustrating and uh, as annoying as they are, they might be dropping off some uh, some nitrogen that that you need to live off of. And so that's your job is to figure out what's the nitrogen. What's the what's the th- How do I, if if you can't get, we can't get rid of the cockroaches. We can't get rid of the uh, the thoughts, right? We can't get rid of the quote-unquote negative emotions. We can't get rid of our depressed moods or um, uh, maybe you can't leave your job or your city, right? We all have cockroaches in our life, whether they're people or places or thoughts or feelings or whatever they are, but each one of those has nitrogen, nitrogen, something that is feeding you in a way that maybe you haven't taken stock of. And it got quiet there because I want you to think about that. You know, you have a long drive to work, maybe you had a long day at work, maybe you and a spouse just got into an argument all these little cockroaches. But there's nitrogen in it. There's something that is feeding you. And if you can figure out what that is, then you can build on that. Um, You know, I'll give you an example. At least I'll try. I'm trying to go off the top of my head. And, you know, it's like I have this, you know, I had neck surgery and I have numbness, uh, constantly coming down the left side of my arm. And to me that's a that's a uh that's a cockroach. It's, it's just like it's so it's annoying to have it there. Um and there's a slow loss of uh strength in my left arm. I can uh my grip strength in my left hand is not what it is in my right hand. Uh and it's uh significant. It, before it wasn't I didn't it wasn't a big deal, but now it's uh it's more significant. And um and it's, it's a cockroach. But I tell you that here's the nitrogen. The nitrogen is that it reminds me to take care of myself. It's a constant reminder to work on my core muscles, to work on my shoulder mobility, to uh, leave the house. It's a, it's a reminder that nothing in my life is permanent and that uh, I have to take advantage of things while I have it and to grow and love and nurture it, um, because uh, you know nothing's here forever. And it could be a slow deterioration. It could be an acute situation. You, you never know. But um, I can't. I can't get rid of it. I can't get rid of the numbness in my left arm. But what I can do is say, you know what? This happened for a reason. Um, and it's here to teach me a few lessons. It's also made me a better trainer having um, the numbness of my left arm because, I, you know, I'm, at, I'm 43 and a lot of my clients have uh, issues with their uh, mobility and uh, shoulder range of motion. And so because I've had to rehab myself from uh, my neck injury... I know a million exercises to help my clients uh, loosen up the muscles around their shoulders and their neck and their back and et cetera, et cetera, that I otherwise I for sure would not have learned or known about um, and, and not have been able to relate to. So it's also made me more relatable. So whatever scars or cockroaches that you have in your life, we have to be thankful for those. We have to be thankful because they are, um, they are uh, uh, serving a purpose. Um, So I want to go, I want to circle back to um, environment and how much that affects you, you know, because when I was reading the obituaries and, you know, we talked about how Les Murray, when he was around his father, it triggered his depression and, you know, and I've talked about this in previous episodes about your career and your job and where you are. If you if you have a job, right, where um, it's affecting your mood, and your, you, you you have to take you have to be proactive, whatever that means, you have to find a way to either leave the job or to um, make the job or the hours work for you. There's a French uh, telecommunications company that in the past uh, few years have had 19 suicides, 12 suicide attempts, eight cases of depression, and um, that and everybody's reporting that they feel demoralized, there's not enough training, uh, that the employers are isolating the staff and intimidating them and uh, giving them pay cuts. And... I bring that up because uh, it's to go back to reinforcing environment and how important environment affects your mood and where you are. And and also not just being mistreated, but, you know, they mentioned lack of training. So not even feeling skilled, not even feeling like you are uh, mastering something, which is super duper important to feel like you are you're achieving something and that is just um you know the thing i love about stand-up is you, you get on stage and you get to work on a joke every time you hit the stage and see if this works or that works you get to you get to tinker with it and play with it and uh shorten it or expand it or and see how different audiences respond to it and that's fun and that's that's uh that's exciting and and then you finally get it to a place you go, oh yeah, that's done. And and you know when it, when something's done, and that's a beautiful thing. And we all want that sense of mastery. Whether it's in uh, relationships or in friendships or at work, we want to feel like we're growing and learning and expanding. That, that that you know we talk about things that get you out of bed in the morning, that can get you out of bed. That could also tuck you in bed at night to to know that. You, you have a, a day ahead of you where you get to do something that uh, you love and are engaged in and, uh, and respect. So, you know, if if you're in a situation, and, and I know nothing happens overnight, it might be a situation where you can't leave your job for another three years, so you start saving now. But, but do something that makes you feel like, here's the thing, it's not about leaving a job. It's about giving yourself an option, feeling like you're working towards something to move you in the right direction, and and that's why a lot of couples go to couples therapy. It's like it's not so much about uh, the 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 therapist fixing your relationship as much as it's about saying, "Hey, let's let's make an effort. Let's do." all the things that we can possibly do to make this work and and see what sticks and what doesn't stick. And, uh, and, and doing that together to, to do that together. That's a, that's a very powerful thing. I tell you, even though me and um, you know, my uh, ex-girlfriend, we broke up when we went to couples therapy, that was so powerful. I learned so much. I learned how to communicate in a way that um, I was like, oh, I don't listen to people at all. I was like, I, th- I thought I was a great listener. I thought I was great. And people have told me, they're like, Leo, you're such a great listener. And I was like, oh, no, I've been a horrible, horrible listener. And um, and even now, you know, I still have to really focus and and, and be attentive and, uh and, and 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 be present and and listen and validate and mirror and reflect and all those things. And it's not always easy. It's not always easy, but it's good to know that I have the skill. I was, you know, Michael Graham, who I had on a podcast uh, a few episodes ago. Uh, thank you for everyone who listened to that and loved it. And it, it was such a great episode. Uh, he's my best friend from college. Uh, And we talked about this. He learned how to freestyle rap. And, you know, he's 45 and he's like, Leo, he's like, Leo, I don't really want, he's like, I don't want to freestyle rap. I just want to know how to freestyle rap. It was just bugging him that he didn't know how to do it. And that's a great way to go at life is like, just because you, sometimes you just, you want to learn something out of curiosity of figuring out how it works, not with any, intention of actually performing it it's like uh magic like how do you pull the rabbit out the hat how do you saw a girl in half how do you uh disappear reappear etc etc how do you do the car trick i don't want to i don't ever want to do it i never want to saw a woman in half but it's cool to know these things right like i don't want to know how to i don't want to know how to go to mars well i don't want to go to mars but it's cool to actually take that back I would I would definitely go to Mars if they said Leo would you get on a space shuttle today to go to Mars I would say yes Abs. oh man there is no way I would turn down a trip to Mars I would drop everything I wouldn't I wouldn't call any I wouldn't call any creditors Any de- no nothing that's not true that's not true um but i would def I would definitely go, and I would still podcast I'm sure there's I'd I get a signal i mean if you could put if we could put people on Mars and surely I could podcast from the universe right uh, you've heard those conversations uh, uh who was that Neil Armstrong who landed on the moon he was able to like one, one small step for man, one large step for mankind or whatever it was. So that was in, what, the the, the 60s, 50s, whatever that was. Uh, so I'm sure that uh, the signal has gotten much better from outer space. So I would still podcast. I'd probably even vlog more just because, I mean, what else are you doing up there? I mean, that's. I think it takes... I don't know how many years it is, but it definitely takes a few years to get up there, and uh, so yeah, I would I would I would take a million books. Now the question is, would I take physical books? I probably couldn't take physical. I would have to take a Kindle, and just load up a bunch of I would, all my books would be like uh, the the long the <laughs> the longest books ever. Like they would have to be like nine. Like I'll take the Bible and Moby Dick and. Lolita, War and Peace, like they would just be these long novels that uh, would keep me engaged. (laughs) Of course, you would have to have a few quick books, just something in between each long book. You'd have to have, yeah, that's how I would do it: one really long book, one really short one, or even magazines or something like that. You know, keep your your brain engaged. But uh, but that's all I have for you guys today. I just wanted to. you know, re-emphasize that it's not always about seeking happiness. It's about also uh, the pursuit of joy. But more importantly, it's about being able to weather the storm no matter what your emotions are. No matter what you remember, we are a captain out there in the sea of life. And some days uh, the sea is going to be calm. Some days it's going to be stormy. And, uh, and it's our job to figure out how to navigate and, and sail through through both of those, right? Um, because on the days and because here's the thing, we all want those calm days, but the problem with a calm day, a day that's too calm, there's not a lot of wind. And so now our sailboat uh, isn't 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 getting picking up much uh, steam there. So you know all the different weather conditions, they all provide us with, you guessed it, nitrogen. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself. Make sure you journal, exercise, read, read some nonfiction, meditate, uh, do some self-talk. And um, um, your your homework assignment, uh, let me get your homework assignment, your homework assignment is to... Uh, Journal. What, what gives you nitrogen? What's giving you what? I want you to identify the cockroaches in your life, and then <laughs> the nitrogen that those cockroaches uh, give you. All right. And as always, if uh, you're going through something, I had some people at the show um, last night uh, tell me that they lost a friend, and they didn't know that their friend had lost a friend to uh, suicide, and they didn't know how to you know, what to say to their friend. And uh, I tell them what I always tell you guys. Call the 1-800 number. They will they will walk you through it. 1-800-S-U-I-C-I-D-E. Check that out. Of course, that's always linked in the show notes. And I know I have international listeners out there, people in Brazil and Finland and Canada. Um, and there are some international numbers that are, will also be linked in the uh, show notes. So thank you all for listening. Please comment. Please uh, rate it five stars on iTunes if you haven't done that yet. And most importantly, remember the biggest thank you you can give me is to share the podcast uh, with someone else. I'll talk to you soon.